everyone, welcome to the Going in Circles Podcast Network and the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I am your host. My co-host, the sniper, Barry Spears, the still Twitter band, Barry Spears, will be with us in just a few. we got a couple uh, short stake recap, not a whole lot of action this past weekend. A couple, couple of three good races at Belmont. Talk about that. We'll talk about uh, some of the news of the day. Mostly uh, not great news, but uh, talk about it nonetheless. And we'll uh, maybe do a little preview of opening day at the spa. So appreciate listening. And uh, oh yeah, I'm going to give it to the Mama Stewards again. They deserve it. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacrestallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Is this the still jailed on Twitter, Mr. Barry Spears? Yes. So block four. I mean, aren't you available or eligible for parole at this point? I should be. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's... yeah, but this happened before. It was it was about this about this length of time. It's just. Well... Getting... The whole point, like, <laughs> there's so many better ways to handle such things. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it seems a little excessive, but... Uh... Considering all the nonsense that's on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Considering oh, the, My the, nonsense. <laughs> yeah, the, the things that, that aren't penalized. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a race at Monmouth Park. <laughs> <clears throat> Hey. <laughs> well, uh, kind of the first news that hit this weekend, uh, racing-wise, was the unfortunate news that the great sire, Galileo, has uh, passed away, um, which uh, you know, sometimes you don't really consider... You know, a horse's greatness. I mean, obviously, everyone knew he was a great stallion. He's got winners all over the place for a long time. I mean, they won from sprints to two-mile races, grade ones. Uh, he got his 93rd grade one winner <laughs> at, the, at Belmont Saturday, which seems like an absurd number. Um, most horses are lucky to get, you know, a dozen graded winners, period. Not 93 grade ones. And, of course, he was a tremendously, uh, you know, 
successful horse as a racehorse. His, his pedigree by Sadler's Wells out of Urban Sea, who won the Ark. He's a, a, um, I don't know if he's a fuller, he's a half to see the stars, but um, he was meant to be a great horse, but he actually exceeded what, uh, you know, what, what you could possibly hope for. Yeah, a complete monster, just on the racetrack, off the racetrack, <laughs> just, you know, just a huge loss, you know, but I mean, he was what, 23, 24? Yeah, he, he was at that age where, right? You know, he even is. It, he uh, apparently since left front foot. And, you know, laminitis sucks. It just doesn't. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, it just goes to show you. It doesn't matter what horse you are, how, how valuable you are. <clears throat> um, if it gets to a certain point, there's just not much you can do. And, just a shame, but uh, I mean, certainly, you know, being by Sadler's Wells, who had a uh, you know, an amazing run, to just to think that uh, a farm would get the replacement for a legendary stallion with another legendary stallion, and you know, he's uh, I mean, Galileo has Frankel, who's right, you know, <laughs> may never get 93 grade one winners, but he's certainly a turning into a great stallion, so it's it's quite a legacy. The craziest thing about uh, Galileo, like, currently, is he wasn't pensioned at the time of his passing. No. That was crazy in itself. Yep. Um, The news came today that uh, longtime owner and and breeder of, of, in both Europe and the United States, uh, Bert Firestone, passed away. Um, I think he's 89 years old. And, uh, I mean, Firestone was a, a set of silks that was green with the, the white diamond that, that, I mean, I remember when I was a kid growing up seeing those silks on, on prominent horses. And, uh, One of my all-time favorites, Take Me Out. Take Me Out, exactly. Take Me Out. Um, I mean, probably the, the, the best or most well-known horse was uh, the Philly Genuine Risk, who won the 1980 Derby, who they bred and and. and campaigned uh, he had theatrical he was not in the whole thing which how if you if you held theatrical theatrical had a lot of seconds and thirds until his four-year-old year when he just killed everybody but if you held him to the 2021 standard he would definitely be in. uh general general assembly who had the track record at saratoga uh, he sat in the travers forever until it was broke by arrogate uh chief honcho Honest Pleasure, What a Summer, April Run, Winchester. Uh, and, and this was something that I, I was, uh, I didn't know that they also had the, I think he's in the Hall of Fame, Jimmy Lorenzo, the steeplechase horse, who was Horse of the Year in like 1988 or something, in that, in that range. Um, and the Firestones also, they owned Calder and Goldstream for a couple years. Yeah, in the 90s, early 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they they did, but uh, he passed away, and um, it's kind of a a sad thing that you know these old kind of legacy families. Really, I mean, they, they were all those horses we listed. I think they bred almost all of them. So, I mean, not only were they uh, owners, but um, 
you know, they, they were also um, breeders. You know, it's hard to replace those types of people. Yeah. It's too bad. A lot of two, two pretty big blows <laughs> to the racing and breeding world this weekend. Yeah. Um, the Baffert injection uh, or uh, injunction here. <laughs> In- oh, <laughs> no words Oops. Um, uh, there was a hearing today in New York. Apparently, Mr. Lambert himself flew in. Um, Interesting. But the judge kind of tabled a decision. Uh, so I don't know exactly what, what that means. <laughs> when is she is going to uh, render a decision? Um, certainly, uh, I mean... The camps have been uh, established at this point. <laughs> the pros and cons, it's hard, it's hard. There's not a lot of people in between, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the court of public opinion and the court of law are completely different things. And I, I can't sit here and say that I really have any clue as to whether the injunction should be granted or should be granted. But uh, I think the defense probably missed an opportunity in that they <clears throat> played uh, um, about a 45-second clip from the ESPYs on Saturday. <laughs> the host uh, just absolutely eat off on Baffert. And, um, you know, when, if you're going to argue you know, integrity and, and to the sport, certainly on the biggest sports network in the country, um, having... <laughs> On their award <laughs> show, ha- having our, the the participants sitting across from you of uh, being like, you know, having the guy say that um, you know, he's a shady looking guy that's done worse things than drug horses. Uh, and he would have season tickets for the Hunger Games. I mean, that, that might have been a... Ouch. That might have been com- compelling evidence, but uh, I don't know. I, I, You know, I mean, like if I... 2021 and we guess we put lines and odds on everything and we can basically bet everything i would i would guess that the, the judge would probably grant the injunction yeah i would say yeah that's just i mean it seems like it would be more likely for the judge to grant the injunction and then let them work it out you know um what that really means there was a couple horses listed gamine would be of course the the headliner uh, as a potential rate, you know, runner at the Saratoga meet in the ballerina, which would of course make sense. But, um, but that remains to be seen. And I don't know if that'll come down tomorrow or this week. <laughs> it's going to take, but, but um, like I said, if I had to guess, I'd guess that he, he'd get the injunction. Yeah. That, that would be my guess too. Uh, Monmouth back in the news uh, <clears throat> for all the wrong reasons of course <laughs> so instead of about the Haskell which is <clears throat> shaping up to be a really good race I saw on Twitter Monday, uh, Sunday afternoon someone su- say something about the first race at, at Monmouth and like you know giggle so I said well let me go see what's going on in there and what I saw was a course that got hit with the whip probably about five times at 28 to one as the rank outsider and a maiden 25 claimer uh, go on and win the race easily. And it just seemed 
baffling at the at that point. It just was kind of like, <laughs> what did what did I just see there? Like, um, no inquiry, no, no no objection, no nothing. Just you know, official and life goes on, I guess. So it just seemed like, um, like like it was nuts. Apparently, uh, and this is from unofficial sources, but probably accurate sources after the race the stewards told Carlos Montalvo who rode the horse uh, for some trainer I admit I have never heard of um, that he was going to be suspended five days he was going to be fined 500 and he was going to lose this purse money for the race now five days at Monmouth is five racing days so that's that's more than a month or excuse me, half of a month. That that that's two weekends or, um, off, basically. So it's a uh, you know a pretty substantial penalty. Now, in my mind, Montalvo is not the villain here. Definitely not. I don't. I don't think so. I, I watched the race too. The the horse was was definitely getting out. And come to find out that the horse has had a few trainers. He's been through a couple hands. He is a pretty much a, a rogue. And you got to remember, this is what people forget. Every trainer out there is not Todd Pletcher, okay? They're not smart guys. A lot of them are stupid. The trainer of this horse, even though he won the race, is probably stupid. Because you don't want to send a horse that's a rogue that acts up. The horse was acting terrible in the post parade. The horse was supposedly... Didn't want to go in the paddock. You don't send them to a track where you, they don't have uh, whips. <laughs> where you can't straighten the horse out. You don't send the horse there. But he did and he won. So, like, in the end, he gets the last laugh, right? But the fact of the matter is that I believe Montalvo. Yes, he, absolutely. about the 75th mount there. He, he knows that he can't do it. And this is the problem with the rule from day one. And I'll get into the stewards part of it in a second. Is that how do you determine when a jockey is actually using this whip for safety or using it for to advance the horse? Yeah, we we called that, or you called it actually, um, right before the meet started. <laughs> I just don't understand how how you can you know. Like, do the Vulcan mind meld, you know, and decide, oh, well, he feels like the horse is getting ready to bolt or he's getting ready to do this or getting ready to do that. So you leave this this ambiguous rule out there with, oh, you can use your whip for safety purposes. Well, if that was for safety purposes. Then then... there's here nothing to see. Let's move on. Right, then what do, what are we doing? <laughs> and the fact of the matter is that they quickly rescinded all the penalty to have a hearing. Now there's going to be a hearing on Friday. Yeah, but what are they going to say? Like, <laughs> well, this is the problem, and 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 I have it from unofficial sources that Montalvo got heated after the race. I'm sure, he they did. Told him this because he was like, "Hey, the horse is getting out. You know, you said that we could use it for safety. Now you're going to give me." You know, uh, basically a, a, a two weekend fine or a fine. Uh, you know, I lose the purse and I mean, it's, he's not exactly winning 10 races a, a weekend. So, you know, so my question is this. 
why are the stewards so ill-prepared for this? Why didn't, why wasn't there protocols? Who protects the betters? Who protects the betters? Because all this seems like is a punishment for the jockey. The, the people who, who own the horse, they still get their, their, their purse. Yeah, that's so messed up, man. <laughs> that's so why messed up. Why wasn't there protocols? Why wasn't there a way, why wasn't there a way of handling this? Well, they should have, like you said, they should have been prepared. This is something they should have been prepared for. How can you for. not be prepared for this, Barry? Right. This is your rule. This is what you wanted. Why do you have no answers or no way of delegating this or any way of making sure it's fair for everybody? You know, like, and it's not, it's not fair for the jockey to, to bear all the, the penalty for pretty much everything. You know, he, he falls off and hurts himself. Then what? Exactly. And this is the, the case that, that has been made uh, why the rule is a terrible rule. And, and I don't want to hear about this. Uh, the, the, I'm just tired of hearing about people who think it's a great rule. You know what? You're stupid. And, and that's just all there is to it. Because mostly those people, they don't bet. And that's the thing. The people don't, don't seem to understand that if a horse is given an unfair advantage in a race, why is the horse not disqualified? Okay, it's for safety. I get it. I'm, I'm with it. I'm saying, okay, I, I believe him. But you got to take the horse. Down. Right, but but you know, going you can't leave the horse up. Song and dance, you know, and holding the guy's money up and possibly taking it away. Um, it, it's 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 just a lot of nonsense. It's just well, a lot. I, I heard that the stewards were off put by the way when Pablo spoke to them, and I'll be honest with you, this isn't two thousand eight or nineteen eighty five anymore. The stewards now. I, a lot of them don't even deserve the respect of, of being talked to in a manner. If they're going to do stupid things like this, it's just ludicrous. Well, ludicrous. I they understand. don't have a plan. How can you not have a plan for this yeah. happening? And that... why aren't you telling the public what's going on? And why do we have to wait till next Friday? Right. So what happens to him? I mean, well, and no. then you know the jock skills not going to back him because they're they they want they nothing. Told to them, do they're like, them. oh, we told you not to ride there. Exactly. They're going to say exactly, exactly. But how can you be, this is the problem. How many times have we talked about it? Racing officials are not doing their jobs. They're just not. You have to be prepared for this. You know what happened in the Haskell? (laughs) You know what this reminds me of? You know, like in corporate America, where you have people near or at the top making decisions for the people at the very bottom even though they've never done their job yeah no i hear you you know and they have no idea what it's like or what what enta- what it entails but they're still going to make decisions that affect those people the most that's what this reminds me of it's just like this is so bungled and it didn't have to be you have to have a protocol for this you have to say okay what if this happens there should be 50 things that they have considered before that. But you know what? They don't because they come in there and they bullshit around and they read golf magazines and they, they find guys for smoking in the shed row. And, and that's it. <laughs> it's the truth. And if they don't want to hear about it. That's too bad. There's no oversight for stewards in this country. And it's a $11 billion bet. In the, and we have $2 billion in purses. 
It's a $15 billion business, $20 billion business, and nobody pays attention. Nobody. Well, wouldn't the tracks themselves be the oversight? No. Depends. I mean, I know they don't Depends care. on who they work for. But, you know, even getting into that, are the tracks, you know. Or the state, you know, the governing the body. body should be. Uh, you know, you put the tracks <laughs> in charge of the oversight of the stewards. Well, then all of a sudden, maybe you know, some of the decisions aren't aren't going to be um, as fair and equitable as as you choose them to be, right? Because in a lot of ways, the track has uh, different ways of looking at things. Well, I'm just saying that if you have a job and you're an umpire or you're a referee or you're an right, you, you have somebody to to account for or account to or you know somebody that holds you accountable. I know, I know for sure in, in all the major sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football, they have, you know, uh, a director of officials, <laughs> somebody that they're, you know, that will call them up and tell them when they've done a bad job, so on and so forth. Um, it's just so absurd that it's gone this long. And then thinking about places like Hong Kong and, and things like that and how they regulate everything and very transparent and things like that. I mean, honestly, the way it is now, we probably don't need stewards and don't take people down. Don't ever change anything, you know, and just fine for careless riding uh, instead it, of reversing the order. I've heard people say that. And I was like, you know, at first I'm like, mm, that doesn't make any sense, but you know, I'd rather them keep it up and let them play <laughs> then change things around make the wrong calls so on yeah, and but so you know you know what though barry like this that, rule was that put wouldn't in, work this rule was put in in theory to protect the horses right that was and the if, goal right and yeah. if we don't if we don't have any <clears throat> stewards policing the the track guys are just going to go 15 wide they're going to zigzag they're going to be putting guys order it. it it'll be it'll be <laughs> chaos It'll be chaos. But the problem is that they just don't do a good job. And that's not all of them. But remember, if you got two guys, two blind mice, and, and, and one guy who's really sharp, the two blind mice are going to overrule the one guy that's really sharp. I don't know. Even when I was a kid, I never thought that, you know, the inquiries were were so much of a problem. Well, they're, you know, they're a bigger problem now. 90s, you know, I didn't... I, you, you, know, you know why they're a bigger problem the now? Time, but... Because <clears throat> because we can watch all the races. You know, we used to see just the tracks we, we were at. We, we didn't have um, access to seven, eight, ten, as many tracks as you want. So the more tracks you see, the more races you see, the more incidents you see. True. And that's, that's part of the problem, too. But the fact of the matter is that we just do a terrible job with this. And this is something we talked about in the show a hundred times. And if I'm sitting at Mama's and I bet the horse who ran second there, and not, not only is, is, you know, nothing done, at least in the immediate, you know, a- aftermath of the race, there's no explanation, no nothing. And that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. That's, do that's... your jobs. Part of your job is protecting the, the betting public as well, and explaining to them what the hell's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, then it's on you. Well, that's what it feels like because the way they're handling this, they're like, oh, well, we're going to do this. But no, we're not. We're going to wait and have a hearing. 
you know, at a later time, you know, like you said, it, how could they go into this without a plan? It's it's really absurd to to think about, you know, with the the level of money bet. I don't, you know, I haven't been keeping up with the the handle numbers or anything at Monmouth, but I know it's a lot of money either way. <laughs> um, it's, know, not, it's not it's not ten dollars, <clears throat> right? I mean, there, there's there's a lot at stake you know, in the whole, you know, big scheme of things. And it's like they just disregarded it in order to just throw this rule and shove it down everybody's throat without having things in place. Like they should have explained this way ahead of time before the meet started, how these things were going to be delegated and how it was going to be adjudicated. But they didn't even do anything like that. No, because they were mad. Like, oh, you guys, you know, you should come and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just totally absurd how how they missed this opportunity. They could have actually done something good with it, possibly, but they didn't have a plan in place. And now they look like, you know, buffoons, <laughs> you know, uh, trying to figure this out over the next week. It's just frustrating. It's so frustrating because this is like this isn't because uh, I mean, you're always going to have situations right, where something <clears throat> completely unexpected comes up and you just can't plan for every single uh, happenstance, right? <laughs> Dude, Stevie this Wonder like, could have saw this coming. This is like com- the most obvious thing. I mean, right, like, Stevie Wonder could have saw this coming. Like, in the seventh race, uh, <laughs> Carlos Lopez hit his horse twice late in the stretch. And it was his first mount of the meet. And he did it, you know, by muscle memory. And it affected nothing. The horse was second. He was going to be second. He was clear for second. He wasn't going to, you know, it didn't, it didn't really affect anything. And uh, supposedly he, you know, realized it and, and, and apologized, though it's kind of crazy that right. we're asking people to apologize for, you know, trying. But uh, that that's a, you know, a completely different case. This is, a, a, this just leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, especially considering the, the odds on the horse, the fact the horse had shown nothing. And, and at the time when the horse was struck was when the horse was contending for the lead and wound up um, uh, wound up winning, of course, beating the horse who was contending with, who wasn't, uh, who didn't get, get any, any strikes of the whip. And, you know, there was a story in uh, Horse Racing Nation, I believe, that, you know, Kathleen O'Connell, who, who trained the runner-up, was, was upset and, and and she even said, she goes, I, I believe that what the jock said when he said that the horse was getting out and that the horse, you know, had acted up and, and was a, a, an issue, a problem horse. But, you know, and, uh, she seemed to be in the camp that we are like, why doesn't anybody know what, what's supposed to happen now? Like, why is this like you say you can't use the stick, but you can carry it, but you can't use it. Like, why wasn't one of the first things that was uh, thought about? Hey, what do we do in the in, in the position of uh, a horse is trying to get out and it's not like bolting, and the jock hits the horse and the horse responds, which is exactly what happened. But right. That that's not like some wild theory. That's like I can't believe it's taken this long for this to happen. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, oh, what are you going to have somebody basically moan around the jock's room every time somebody? uses the whip and say, hey, why'd you do that? And then make a decision. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing's absurd. 
Well, I guess it's going to be all you can use it for safety purposes as long as you don't win. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the thing is you can if you tell jockey you can use the whip for safety purposes, he uses it for safety purposes. If the horse happens to win the race, you're in trouble and, and you're going to give him five days, which is five racing days, which is the equivalent of, of almost two weeks, a $500 fine, and he loses the purse. So you protect yourself and you get $1,500 out of your pocket and, um, you know, you're sat down for two weeks. I mean, that, that's just, it can't be both. Well, one or the other. The thing is, you know, and I, and I kind of understand <clears throat> where the guild stands on this because it's like, we told you this was going to be a bunch of nonsense. And here it is, you know, it took a little while. It, it took longer than I thought it was going to happen, but. You know, we all knew, or you know, anybody that that's watched racing at Monmouth in the past knew that this was going to happen eventually. Yeah, I don't want to think if I'm in the Haskell and it's head and head, I'm cracking, and you're not taking them down. I dare you. I dare if I was ducked out a little bit. I dare them to try to take away that 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 purse. I dare them to do it. Yeah, this was not well thought out, and it's it's unfortunate, you know. It's a stupid because... rule, but but the rule is the fault not of the stewards, and the rule is not the fault of Monmouth Park. The rule is the fault of the clown in charge of New Jersey, the governor who's a stooge, and and the the, the clowns that are on the racing commission that were you know clearly um, you know handed a rule from the animal rights people, and they just they just implemented it without any thought to like, hey, well, what if? Because they don't care. They don't care. They didn't set rules. Did they? they didn't set parameters. None. Did I? <laughs> Ridiculous. And, and it's embarrassing. And it's just laziness and, and, and incompetency. I don't know how. I don't know how else I could say that any stronger. And if they don't like it, I don't care. I don't care. Do your job. Well, it sounds like they don't know what their job is right now. <laughs> Do the work beforehand. <clears throat> not now not after it happens it's a joke yeah that, oh man that, that's such a conundrum there's there's no way that they didn't know this was going to happen they, they really thought that this whole meet was going to go off without something like this going off gonna gonna happen like it's insane it is insane and it's a complete disregard for the people betting on the races and it's a complete disregard for the other participants in the race if you're going to make this such a big deal oh you penalize the jock i don't care if the jock stays i don't care what difference does that make to me if i own the horse who ran second or if i bet the horse who ran second what difference does it make to me well, that that, no, that it makes none. It, it's that's what I mean. That you're you're not you're not serving. You're not protecting the participants that need to be protected. You're just you know self-servingly you know putting all the blame on the jockey. Right, and and you bring up a great point. You know, you can use your stick to correct as long as you don't win. I mean that that's that's basically what it sounds like. You know, at least their initial thought. Um, for even questioning it, you know, it's like, how do you delegate? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna adjudicate this by just asking every jock that does what they were thinking or doing. 
And then from there, you have to have somebody evaluate their comments and say, oh, well, they said this. We looked at the tape. How are they going to tell the jockey anything different? You know, the jock saying, oh, well, he was getting out. You know, to somebody like you or I, we could tell. Some other people may not. I don't know. I, I can't even hardly tell. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it's really obvious, and other times it's, it's right. a bit more subtle. Yeah, but, listen, if the jockey's hitting the horse right-handed and the horse is getting in, then obviously his excuse might be a little bit, you know, lame. But um, right. it's just... You could see on the backside the horse was getting out. You could see... And, and let's, be, let's be clear. This wasn't... Um, you know, this the, the jock didn't hit the horse fifty six times. <laughs> I mean, I, I counted five. The yeah, one yeah. was kind of I don't know if he was waving it at him. I mean, even the, the the exaggerated manner in which he did it, like he wasn't trying to hide anything. No, he wasn't. It's just so frustrating when this industry just is. It's like. There's like nobody ever gets ahead of issues. They create them, but then they just let them be. And then it's like no big deal. Like I said, I, I think, you know what? I think, you know what? A, a, a racing official at Monmouth or a person from Monmouth should, should take away from the whole thing. That I wasn't watching the races in the first place. And the only reason I noticed it was because someone on Twitter posted it. But that's the only reason I watch the races at all. And I'll watch the Haskell. I might watch a couple of the other stakes. But, and, and I know it's not Mama's fault that the rule is in place. But you can't just let, you can't just let it, you know, let, have no plan. And if they had a plan, it sure isn't a very good one. Anyways, let's take a break and we'll be back to talk about... Talk about the sparse steak action from last weekend. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free, the Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there. Various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week, we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career, but... um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. I've calmed down. <laughs> You some of that seawater on your head. It's plenty of water. It's still, <laughs> still raining, man. It's, it's been. Is it raining been, down there? Nothing but rain. Oh man, it's been nice up here. Nothing but rain. 
not too hot. It's sea breeze was was kicking in. Don't rub it in, man. Gotta um, come Daytona, bro. Well, the uh, the what do they call it? The Belmont Turf Festival, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it's called, right? Got a yeah. little broke up. Be on like Fourth of July, wasn't it? Yeah, the schedule kind of. I think it just didn't work <clears> out <throat> this week or this year. But well, we had the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby, um, <laughs> which sounds funny. <laughs> no matter how many times I, I, I say it, it sounds funny. Um, and <laughs> let me let me just explain something to the people at the, who, who work in these marketing things for racing. There has never been another Belmont Oaks and Belmont Derby jockey that or trainer that won the same the races at the same time the same year because twenty years ago Jerry Bailey didn't win the Belmont Derby because there was no Belmont Derby. Please, please, be you know if I know that right is because uh, the Belmont Derby and Oaks are the same age as my daughter, so. Well, Belmont Oaks is older than the a little bit Derby. older. Well, Belmont the Derby is only eight, 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 yeah. right? Eight years old. Yes, the Belmont Oaks is, I think, nineteen. <clears throat> nineteen what? Nineteen in Belmont Oaks. The Belmont Oaks used to be the uh, what you call? Well, it was the rare perfume originally, which was a dirt race. <laughs> so um, how that is to me, it's like a new race, but whatever. It's 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 just didn't happen. It's, oh, it hasn't happened in twenty years. And Jerry Bailey won, you know, on King Kuga. Yeah, he he won the Jamaica on King Kuga. He didn't win the Belmont Derby. It was a Grade Two. It was a different race, and it also wasn't held the same day as as the, the Belmont or the Oaks race, which was won by I think Gaviola or uh, Bill Turner. I mean, I, I, it's it doesn't really mean anything. But it's just another way of, of – sometimes I think people in racing, the younger people, they're so desperate to see, like, something historic, they just kind of made it up. <laughs> something couldn't have happened 20 years ago in a race that only is excessive for eight. I mean, you know, like, it just – they should have said it was the first time it's ever happened because it literally was the first time a jockey and trainer have ever won – the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby on the same day. The Belmont Oaks winner, to me, uh, time-wise, especially, um, better stylistic-wise, uh, Santa Barbara, who was an Aiden O'Brien, uh, Ryan Moore connections, uh, rallied late in the stretch, and and beat a, a really uh, Con Lima got a easy trip. I mean, she got a soft fractions. But she's really improved and, and, and developed into a nice horse. Uh, I saw her down in Florida this winter, and I thought she was going to be a, a kind of a uh, – and let's, let's, let's be honest. These really are not great on fields of horses. Uh, you, you take out the – you honestly you take out the two winners. It's really hard to make a case that those are great on horses. They just weren't. Um, but – Santa Barbara is the real deal. I mean, she got locked in, and 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 Moore found a way out, and uh, you know he he just outfinished Conlima, but Conlima ran really really well, and uh, I, I give her credit. I didn't know that she would go that far either, but um, you know she ran a, a really terrific race in defeat, but uh, 
Santa Barbara was was clearly best, at least in my eyes. Oh yeah, much tons the best. I mean, you look at how slow they kind of went, um, and just overcame all that from pretty far back, and blew by Con Lima. I mean, you know, that that was pretty impressive. But like you said, you know, you have to really question the the quality of the entire field um, because. Honestly, Ryan Moore got into a lot of issues in the stretch and 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 kind of did everything he could to lose in a way and still won. It's interesting because people had had wild praise for him after the race and I, I was kind of thinking, It wasn't a great ride. Yeah, like he he won. He was just know? on the best horse. I mean, I mean, he, he did find a way out without completely stopping her momentum, and and she did win. And I mean, I'm not going to say he rode poorly. He certainly didn't, but it wasn't exactly like not he, on his highlight reel. I don't think he was the difference. Um, you know, Bolshoi ballet was, was far uh, superior horse. I mean, yeah. I I thought that was obvious, but right. Hey, you know what though. It, it happens a lot. I think uh, we're talking about jockeys a lot tonight, but I think jockeys get way too much credit a lot of times when the horses win, and they certainly get way too much blame when they lose. Um, I've had I've had horses that just absolutely positively have uh, gotten beat at the three to five because it just wasn't enough horse, and after the race, everybody's screaming at the jock. It's like you know, what do you want me to do? <laughs> You know, put the horse in perfect position, and I mean that's really more of it, more of it than anything. But um, yeah, I mean Ryan Moore is a great jockey. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know that he did anything really particularly special on these two horses, other than ride the best horse and um, get the job done <laughs> for the most part. Right? I mean, you know, Santa Barbara, you know, she did have to overcome a little bit of traffic, and you know, with a field. Uh, that was kind of bulked together because of the slow pace. Um, you know, certainly that that's going to happen. But uh... well, I feel for jockeys in that situation because he knew he he was going to win that race. I mean, it was just kind of don't mess it up kind of things. And yeah. you know, if he finishes second. It looks it looks pretty bad, you know what I mean. So it's well, there's, like there's been a lot of damn if you don't, in a sense. You know, there's a lot of talk about Aiden O'Brien's record. You know, it hasn't been great, but you know he's only run. And I got this from uh, the Oakland Priority guy, who I had a debate about after on Twitter on, on Saturday night. And it was actually a, a you know a respectful debate about about uh, the situation with Aiden O'Brien and and, and how. And his feeling was that, that not having Lasix in this race gave them an advantage. <laughs> and I said, well, A, you know, and, and, and used his record um, in the last five years as proof. But one of the stats that he gave was that Aiden O'Brien's only run 14 favorites out of 111 starters. So he's not exactly shipping over the 18. Right. For the most part. And last year, he actually had a pretty damn good year in the U.S., and he only won one out of 11. He had five seconds and a third, and he was actually the 39th leading money-winning trainer last year in the United States with 11 starts, more than uh, 
<laughs> more than Richard Mandela, more than George Weaver, more than Joe Sharp, more than Danny Gargan. <laughs> he only made 11 starts, so obviously those horses ran good. He ran the one race in the Breeders' Cup. He ran one, two, three. So, um, you know, uh, if, if any of the other two were out, he probably would have won that race you know, with any of the three. And, um, but don't remind me. I just don't think it really, I just don't see where, I I could put it this way. A lot of the Europeans that have sent over to compete in this country the last 20, 30 years are horses that need Lasix. Also, also they might need firmer turf, right. But Lasix is is a factor. This is where the bleeders were sent. And uh, I mean, a guy like Chris Kalan has has made a, a great living taking horses from over there. And, and, you know, improving them because he stops them from bleeding. And other things, I mean, he's a great trainer. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's not like every horse that's you know, been over here is bleeding too. But it's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it's a fact. <laughs> a lot of horses are sent over here because, because of it. And, uh, you know, if you want to say with that, I mean, Europeans are just better for the most part anyways. So, uh, a no LASIK situation, if they're getting it, Advantage. we're getting it, then yeah. it's still the playing field is still level. It's just not, it's not a, it's not a non-level playing field. It's still, so I, I don't know. I think LASIK is. Yeah. That's a little bit of over analysis in my opinion. You know, right. I think it, he was just better. <laughs> the horses that he sent on Saturday were just better. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make the case that going in that they, again, they were not strong fields. The, the U.S. horses this year for these two races just were not strong. And, I mean, the U.S. turf horses in the last couple of years, at least the last, you know, year and a half, uh, have not been that great. They have not been that strong. Dude, no way in, in January when we saw Con Lima run, we would think that that horse is a grade one winner. Not, not an amount of court. No, not a, especially at a minor quarter. No way. I would have never guessed it. And and she ran lights out. Like probably the best she's probably ever going to run. Um, And still got beat. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that says a lot to me anyway. But what do I know? Well, in between those two races, they ran the victory ride. <laughs> and that was a little bit of an upset. It was super sensational. Um, winning relatively easily. Uh, yeah, I could that horse. When the race out. will probably be more known for the fact that uh, Miss Brazil kind of uh, didn't <laughs> did really... the moonwalk. <laughs> yeah, like she kind of didn't show up again. Uh, she got pressed on the lead and, and really didn't have a whole lot and backed up through the field. Um, however, she was still uh, about 30 lengths ahead of uh, <laughs> Australasia. Australasia, who just was terrible i mean uh, i haven't heard any official uh excuses or, or anything basically since the race but she got beat 40 lengths i mean she was practically eased as the favorite and you know she's an undefeated horse so i i just thought that that race um was kind of a a one-off in in a lot of ways um you know with the the pace collapsing, the horse that won really hadn't run that fast. No. Um, until I guess the other day, I don't know what the numbers came back, 
but I, I just have a, a sneaky suspicion that, that that race is going to be one of those one-offs where everybody didn't run their race and one horse did. Which happened. Yeah, from yeah time. I mean, it, it, it was... big races. It usually happens in, you know, like $10,000 claimers or something. But, um, you know, it's it can't... kind of a perfect storm, right? I mean... Right. Yeah. That, that, that's why I say I, I, I can forgive that effort. Um, more for Miss Brazil than than Australasia. She just didn't run at all. Yes, I mean obviously something happened to Australasia because <clears throat> I mean she literally like was like didn't run a step. Like, no, she was galloping her. She was never in the. I mean he was the jock was pushing her from from the, the get go, and she just couldn't keep up. And uh, I don't know if she bled. I don't know if she's got she overheated if, if uh, you know she came out of the race lame or, or I don't know it's it's you just don't see horses run that poorly as favorites very often in stake races especially and not, and not that short and, and then not hearing both you know, of them like the we, both we favorites and, and maybe it's been reported somewhere but I, I couldn't find it so yeah um, it's rare in a big race like that or you know a stake race that you see two favorites just not run I mean they they've getting beat before but I mean, Miss Brazil just backed up. Miss Brazil had the, re- the excuse last time of breaking through the gate, right? Right. So, um, but she might. She just might be a little over the top. I mean, she was pretty sharp earlier this year in the winter time. Yes, very sharp. Uh, just I, may have may, may need a break. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't, uh, and she got pressed through. You know, legitimate fast fractions, but she didn't have a whole lot of fight to her either. She 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 gave in pretty willingly. Um, the Delaware handicap at, of course, Delaware <laughs> was one wire to wire by Miss Marissa. Uh, Jimmy Ryerson, great guy. Nice to see. Uh, nice to see him win always. My man Jose Chavez. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was not a, a rousing rendition of the Delaware handicap. Uh, Bonnie South, another Brad Cox um, complete no show, was two to five, three to five for most of the most of the wagering. Um, and yeah, that that that's a horse that I will always try to beat, especially at short odds. I mean, when she ran up and she was kind of close to the pace, I was like, yeah. that's not that's not what she wants to do. It's not. And the pace was was really slow. Too. It was very slow, and I was like, "Yeah, she this this is she's going to be up against it once they start running." And they ran basically one two around the track. Yeah, yeah, she just kind of backed up. She she really didn't have any any. Yeah, uh, she was outside, um, and just was, uh, you know, just not her style. I just thought she was too close. I mean, it, that's just the dilemma you have when you when you have a horse like that that likes to come off the pace um there's always problems and that's why i try to stay away from yeah she was uh, she, she's a horse that, that <clears throat> even if she wins she's always a, a low price but she she gets beat a lot more she actually wins she always looks good losing right i mean <laughs> black eyed susan last year the the race against Petrushka on Belmont Day. Um, yeah, just uh, – and, and, you know, some horses don't like that track. Delaware is a little bit of a funny track. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if she's never shipped well, but I, I didn't think it was that finicky of a surface where she just didn't like it. I mean, I mean, it, you could always make an excuse, but I just thought she was up against it pace-wise, and it just wasn't her, her time, you know? <laughs> that, that race didn't set up well for her, and then she got kind of shuffled back, was close to the lead, and then I was like, oh, man, she's done. She's cooked. <laughs> when they start running, she's going to back up. And Michael Dickinson had a horse in the last race. I know. I was like, oh, my God. I, I had to do a double take when I looked at the PPs. I had to bet the race because they had him listed two to one. He hasn't had a starter in Dickinson in a, in a while. He had zero starters on the year. Had a horse with relatively modest workouts. Uh, Danny Centeno was riding. Of course, he's one of the top riders there. But I said, this horse is, a, I don't know anything, but I know this horse has, has got to be a bet against at this price. <laughs> Um, I thought he was like you know. I, I actually owning his his the horse actually ran for craft. He 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 split my exacta, which was uh, dang it. Um, I need I needed the, the steeplechase girl, her horse to finish second. She finished third, but yeah, whatever. What are you gonna do? Run off? Didn't I just thought it was kind of interesting that Dickinson has uh, had a horse. Uh, training at his farm there that he tried to sell, but they wanted a staggering amount of money for the place. But uh, yeah, made surface. That's why. Thought it was interesting. That was all. Yeah, didn't the the winner of that race like run off? Kind of. Yeah. Like won by open lengths, right? Yeah, Kelly Rubu's horse. The horse would run good. I mean, the horse had good form and, and figured to you know. To me, was was the one to beat. I just didn't. I couldn't use uh, the Dickinson's horse as overbet as it was at second. And, you know what are you gonna do? What can you do? All right, we'll take another break, and we'll be back, and we'll talk about uh, probably the, the the things we'll be talking about for the next <laughs> seven or eight weeks. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at PleasantAcreStallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. All right, we are back to talk about... Go ahead, Barry. The spa. <laughs> uh, if you haven't been paying attention or you've been out of the country or you've uh, new to horse racing, hit your head or something. Uh... Saratoga's open this weekend. You don't say. Yes, sir. We have. Saratoga action, and and I, I said this 
last week or two weeks ago. I think Saratoga is going to have a big year. Um, and I think – I should think that. I've talked to a lot of trainers and a lot of owners that are really looking forward to last year. And it seemed like, um, you know, with Kentucky being closed, Churchill Downs closed for training, that uh, there's going to be more horses up there. Uh, some, I think some of the Kentucky guys are bringing more horses than they ordinarily would. It seems like uh, there's a little bit more excitement to to going there. Uh, well, last year it was like, you know, the, the question marks revolving shipping in and the quarantines and it was just not a good situation. This year is much, much better. Yeah, I mean, uh, the show a year ago today, you and I were talking about the the jockey colony and how how they really need to kind of isolate them and not let guys come in and out because bubble, <laughs> you know, we we didn't want to like shut the thing down because of that. And, you know, to to think twelve months later, here we are, where it's going to be uh, full capacity and um, you know, pretty pretty full fields in the first two days. Uh, it seems like. Uh, well, the spa's back. That's what I like to see. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So, the um, the Thursday feature, uh, co-features, I should say, are the Quick Call, won five and a half on the turf, which is interesting, because Quick Call really was a, a dirt horse. But, um. And in that race, uh, you know, the return of Golden Pal and huh. Skylerville, uh, which is a, a grade three Philly, you know, Philly race, two-year-olds going six. Um, and Wesley Ward, who was the trainer of Golden Pal, also probably is uh, going to, well, not probably, is going to, he's going to train the... <laughs> Probable favorite for that race, Happy Soul, who's just crushed um, in her last two, winning both by eleven lengths. Uh, though it's a it's a big field, big field in both races, and uh, kind of a pretty pretty decent card to, to kick off the uh, the festivities. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Saratoga of old. I mean, you know, notwithstanding last year, last year was kind of strange all the way around. Um. You know, in that wicked fast, if I can bring my Boston accent into this, uh, the wicked fast day on Travers Day last year just ruined a bunch of horses going forward. A lot of horses didn't run back after that. So, just no, that's very true. Just interesting to see how that kind of stuff plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, opening day is always a great time and. You know, it's just the, this is just the best part of the year when Saratoga and Del Mar open up. That's true. I mean, uh, they kicked the race, the the the, the, the card off, the racing season off with a mile and eighth race, twelve five, bottom level claimers. But it's a nine horse field, and I know they like to start the the meet off with a race that starts in the front of the grandstand, and uh, and this one is the one. That, it, it's a pretty competitive race. Uh, the second race is a two-year-old maiden special going five and a half with a full field. Uh, a couple of horses have run decently in there. Um, you know, the interestingly enough, uh, um, 
the uh, oh, this is the I'm I'm thinking of a different race, um, but uh, yeah, kind of a, a an interesting race to to start. The third race is a um, entry level allowance race, one hundred three thousand dollars purse. Going <laughs> That's what stood out to me. <laughs> uh, and again, it looks like a, a pretty competitive race. Some some decent maiden breakers in there. Uh, from the usual suspects, uh, Chad Brown, Bill Mott. Um, uh, Brian Lynch's horse, to me, is a little bit interesting in there. First time on the turf. Uh, a couple main track only, though. The weather is supposed to be nice on Thursday. Friday has kind of been... I've seen both sides. I've heard rain. And I've, I've also seen forecasts where there was a, a low probability for rain. Though the weekend does look like they're going to get some rain. Uh, the fourth race is a Phillies Merch starter. 50s never won a race other than uh, going to mile 16th on the Mellon course. Uh, another race that looks uh, looks pretty competitive. Um, you know, no, no, no big stick outs. The fifth is is a uh, maiden two-year-old Phillies going five and a half. And that's the race that has the two Valiant Ministers, um, which is kind of interesting. Huh. Yes. Valiant Minister stands for $3,000 <laughs> in Florida, I believe. Um, but uh, it's kind of an interesting race. Uh, you know, <clears throat> a full field as well, too. Full fields is what I like. Yeah, of 10. I guess they still have that rule where you can't run more than 10 in a two-year race, which I never really understood it. But Yeah, what's the point of that? I, I didn't. I, it either. I mean, it's not that. It's usually not really something that comes into play, but I don't know. I, I never really saw issues in two-year-old races going one on one turn. I mean, the two-year-olds on the turf going two turns were always chaotic, way more chaotic than the, the sprints. Uh, the sixth race is a 35,000 never went three going a mile 16th on the inner. Um, it, it's, uh, again, it's it's not a great group of horses, but it, it's it looks like there's not going to be any, any uh, uh, three to five shots. And and that's kind of, you know, the thing is we're Man. hoping that we don't have to see a you know, parade of short price favorites. The seventh is a mile and, eight, a mile and an eighth allowance, uh, uh, entry level allowance. Again, it's got uh, a couple maiden breakers that, um, you know, look okay, but a, a decent sized field. Uh, actually, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 10, 11, 12. When's the last time you saw 12 horse allowance raise on the dirt going two turns? True. It's got to go back a couple of years, right? <laughs> it's got to be a, a, a while. Uh, the, the quick call, which quick call, you know, he was one of those horses that just loved Saratoga. And that was a, just a, a bygone era. Uh, Sydney Waters trained was was really the guy who trained him when he did his best. He had several trainers, but he would literally race him every week at Saratoga because he loved Saratoga so much, and he he would uh, always run and he he did well outside of Saratoga. It wasn't like he only won Saratoga, but uh, he did so much better there than than he did anywhere else. So it's nice that the, they've named the race after him. Um, He's certainly way more deserving than Penine Ridge. Ugh. 
He would beat tonight. Rich. I didn't know that was gonna come. He he would he was a, a sprinter mostly, a dirt sprinter, and he would be Penine Ridges any distance, any ground. I'm sorry, Penine Ridge, but you just don't deserve a straight two stake. Uh, it's I mean, Golden Powell, who's had a, a short, a brief career, but it's been kind of um, you know a little bit starstruck in that he runs a hole in the wind <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah. He, he started out last year, last April at Gulfstream, uh, getting beat, and then um, still don't understand that that race. I don't understand how he got beat. Comes comes out of that, runs, you know, goes to Ascot, gets gets beat a neck in the uh, the Norfolk Stake. Um, <laughs> he uh, uh, comes back last year at Saratoga about uh, eleven months ago into Skidmore, and he he just galloped. Um, in, a, in a relatively short field, he just was so much the best. And then, you know, Wesley brings him for the Breeders' Cup, and he just uh, – he, he made kind of a little – remember the, on the backside? Kind of thing. Yeah, it almost looked like he was going to bolt or pull up. Blue. Yeah. <laughs> just, nobody even got near him. Yeah, and, and then just, you know, kind of one geared down too and, uh, you know, makes his, his return – to the races. I'm guessing that the, the Breeders' Cup uh, turf sprint would be the ultimate goal for him. Um, but you never know. I mean, this, this is a horse off of a, a long, long layoff. And even though he's he's always broke alertly, you know, a, a misstep at the gate coming out of the gate, <clears throat> going five and a half, is, is a difficult thing to make up. Uh, the Again. rail horse is Kentucky Farrell, who's cutting back to five and a half. That's the horse uh, Kendrick fell off the on Belmont Day and after the Belmont and uh, broke his, what did he break his wrist? Yes, uh, I believe so. Or his leg or something. He broke something. Something's broken. Yeah, uh, 2nd of July uh, comes, comes off of a, a really poor effort at Belmont. Just didn't show up at all. Um, he had won the Futurity last year, which is now a turf race at, at Belmont, ran in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, uh, and just really didn't show anything. Came back uh, last, about a month ago at um, at Belmont and, and just really showed brief speed and quit. So uh, this is kind of a, a bold placement for, for 2nd of July off of that race. Kind of see, be interesting to see where he, um, you know, which one, which the real – Second of July shows up. Uh, I, I gotta admit, I was kind of surprised to see Omaha City in the entries here for uh, <laughs> Mohammed Jalaludi, who is a denizen of the Gulfstream Park tents. Yes, rarely, uh, rarely makes his way outside of the tents. This horse hasn't run since, uh, and this is a pretty good horse. Um, I, I know that he'll be kind of. He, he, I'm not saying he has any prayer in this race, but he, he's a pretty good horse. He broke his maiden in a stake um, last year. He's kind of raced him uh, in, a, in a strange fashion. He hasn't run since uh, April, and this is kind of an, an odd spot for him to show up. But uh, but he's in there. Um, Fauci, who is now trained by, who used to be trained by Wesley, who's now trained by uh, Phil Antonucci. Comes off a win at Monmouth. Nick Juarez is listed. Um, 
Rebel Posse for the great uh, CJ, CJ Thoroughbreds. CJ Thoroughbreds. Yeah, comes off of a, a win at Lone Star, brings his jock, brings his trainer. Uh, I'm guessing CJ will be in the house. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from him. All the dignitaries will be there. CJ will be one of them. <laughs> I don't know how the Lone Star form is going to hold up, but uh, we'll see. And and Jackson Traveler, who is not listed as an MTO, um, you know, has gotten beat in Maryland the last couple of races. The horse is a Maryland bred, Jackson Traveler, uh, who's a West Point horse. Steve Asmussen, um, you know, did win the Bachelor at Oaklawn. And has never run a bad race. I mean, he's never got beat more in a length. So it'd be interesting to see how he takes to the turf. Uh, I mean, he's by Munnings out of an aftermarket mare, so you could probably claim a little bit of turf breeding there, maybe. Um, but he, he does have tactical speed, and uh, he, he's kind of the X factor in the race. Well, here's my question. Will Golden Pal be over or under Four to five. I think Golden Pal will be four to five. I think he's going to be three to five. He might be. I mean, he was four to five in the Breeders' Cup in a 14 horse field last year. Um, you know, the question is is, is that uh, it's July and he hasn't run since November. So, I mean, on his best, he, he looks like he's clearly best here. Let me do the uh, the Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, for a five and a half rolling race, there's not a tremendous amount of speed. He is. Well, that's probably... that's why I, I I tend to think he's gonna be lower than four to five. Unfortunately, he he looks like the speed of the speed if Jackson Traveler um, isn't going to press, and of course you have the whole. You know Jose, I read the, the you know, dynamic there. So, um, yeah, I don't really bet turf sprints because you know I never. What? Remember. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh man, you're missing out. That's that's where I get all the yeah. the money down at, at Gulfstream, bro. The only thing I'm missing is all the money I bet on those stupid races. The Schuylerville. Uh, got a really big field. Um, and that's one of the, you know, chief complaints that, that we've seen a lot with the two-year-old races in New York is that um seen a lot of short fields. Uh, leading up to this, there's been some short fields. Historia, which Happy Soul will be the favorite in here, one was a, was a short field, five-horse field. Um this is kind of a, a, I mean, this is kind of a question mark. You know, the acid test for Happy Soul is Happy Soul really, you know, kind of a, a star horse. I mean, fifty thousand dollar yearling um, to run Happy, and the horse debuted at Keeneland um, in a similar race uh, to. Uh, Golden Pal's first race looked like a clear winner. Just got run down and came back, and then just blew a maiden special field at Belmont Way, held the uh, short field at a, at a at a short price. 
and then came back in, in the, the Astoria, uh, I think on, I think the Friday before, uh, Friday, Friday before Belmont, uh, right. Right. And it was like one to five. <laughs> Deservedly so. Right. Um, it has cleared to lead each of its three first, you know, three first races. The, the whale horse, pretty birdie for Norm Cassie. Uh, did show speed. I mean, in your only start, uh, went twenty two forty four, uh, forty four and four fifty seven one 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 nicely. Uh, a bird song. You wouldn't think bird songs would necessarily be the the best five eighths type horses, right? Um, but uh, he does draw the rail, which is never great. And he's he's six for long two year old races. I don't know, my but thought, also think Louis is. My thought is that that horse isn't fast enough. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that I want, you know, that I'm a chalk player, but I just don't think that horse in particular is fast enough. For happy. Yeah. The two is, is, a, is a park shipper for, for Butch Reed, uh, mainstay, who's just working white out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't usually see two year old fillies with 45 and three and 58 and three workouts. Just but, pure speed. Uh, <laughs> she's got those two in the holster. She uh, dominated a field at Monmouth in the mud um, for Frankie Pennington, who will be shipping up for the mount. Uh, draws inside, and <clears throat> it'll, you know, she's going to certainly be tested for class here. Um, well, I, I'm curious to see how these Monmouth horses do yeah. after running there and then running in a quote unquote. Under normal circumstances, yeah, right. She she just blew him out of the water there, so the 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 whip would have probably not been a factor anyway. No, no, not for <laughs> not in that race. No, uh, Tom Amos comes in with an Air Force Blue filly who just looks a little bit slow. Um, Velvet Sister is a Stone Street filly of Asmussen's. It's by Bernardini, who you don't usually consider. You know, distances these short, um, but uh, she won easily. But got a, a you know the time was not particularly fast, and got a pretty uh, a pretty soft figure. Um, uh, Chapman's got one that, that uh, you know again beat a, a really really soft field at Belmont. I mean, I think the Belmont two year old races were really didn't. For the most part, there was a couple winners that looked like they're going to be okay, but for the most part, they were short fields and not not great fields. Um, Sano ships up a Philly, a Connect Philly that that uh, broker maiden in, in a, a a pretty soft Florida bred maiden special. I think he's uh, he's going to be up against it. Uh, Asmussen's got a Texas bred for Mister Farish um, by Eagle. It, uh, uh, I can't really, you know, I can't, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you either way, <laughs> you know, like what to think about that one or, or Amos's other Philly, uh, the cartel queen who's a Cairo prince who broke her maiden and adds blinkers. Um, weird. Uh, yeah. So I think this horse came up the rail. I saw this race. Yes, it was the first race of the day. Cartel Queen. I remember Asmussen had a horse that was bet off the board in the race. Just bet off the board. I think I remember that. Yes. One. It was like one to two first time starter. 
and horse had the outside close position and broke to the outside, <laughs> like spotted the field like ten lengths, and uh, and Cartel Queen uh, kind of sat behind and, and came through. But kind of an interesting move to add blinkers off of a win. Does have a bullet work over a muddy track at Saratoga just a few days ago. So, um, huh. it, uh, you know, it, it also attracts Irad Ortiz, which is never a bad thing at Saratoga. Uh, and, you know, they close out the day with a uh, mile 16th state bred maiden special race. Uh, another race that really doesn't look to have a huge favorite. I mean, Chad Brown's horse will probably be even money. Um, but that's a horse that's got five lifetime starts in the same company. He's got three seconds and a third. So uh, he adds blinkers to, to Clever Fellow, um, who, who's a five-year-old. <laughs> so, uh, you know. <laughs> taking five-year-old maidens at short prices, you know, that have been unsuccessful, um, you know, proceed with caution. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not something I would do. No, I, get your I, price. If you're betting him, I hope you get your price because that's something I would never do. Not never, but yeah. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't rain Friday because if it rains Friday, Friday's card is going to really. That's what I've, I'm hearing. It, it'll really be taken apart pretty good. Yeah. Well, my my eyes and ears on the street up in Saratoga, and it's not the mayor. It's not the mayor. The mayor told me uh, this morning it was going to rain Friday, which means it'll probably yeah, be sunny. That's what I've been hearing. Because he's never right about the weather. He but, might be, um, though. I mean, he's got the bones and the and the fireball, so he could do a little voodoo. He could understand. I, I don't want to go through the whole card here on Saturday and Friday, but I will say this about the Forbidden Apple, which is a grade three uh, mile on the inner turf. This is what a grade three race is supposed to look like. Not that, that trek that we see so much where there's one decent horse, one okay horse, and the, a bunch of horses that aren't great yeah this is a a, a, this is an old time saratoga grade three race where it's a competitive race um it's it's a a big field there's 10 of them in there and you know there's looks like there's five of them with a real shot and even a couple of the ones that, that you would say would be longer shots you wouldn't be shocked if they won Yeah, that's like you said. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to see all the time. I mean, it's not always possible, but in a grade three, that's what you'd like to see. These horses kind of on the verge, been battling and proven, tested, and let them duke it out. It's a it's a solid grade three race. I mean, these are mostly grade three type horses, and and this is, um. You know, this is the the field just full of them, and and uh, you know it's it's a it's a good race. I mean, Chad Brown's got three, but <laughs> um, none of his are like standouts. You know, there's not these aren't the typical Chad Brown Grade One one runners running in a Grade Three. These are Grade Three horses that are running in a Grade Three. Um, well, I hope they bet them off the board because I will not be. Uh, you know, but it's it's a it's a really solid race. Um, Rinaldi's in there, the New York bred for Jimmy Bond from the rail. Rinaldi's Rinaldi. confirmed front runner. Uh, there is some other speed in the race. Um, 
uh, Flying Scotsman, who has been uh, showing breakneck speed. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't he get you down <laughs> down at GP? He did. He sure did. <laughs> Who did he beat? Oh, it was uh, Structor. Yeah, right? Structor. I totally threw out. And, <laughs> he beat. And I, I beat ever dangerous to one George Weaver's horse, and Flying Scotsman turned into Manila, and it was wire <laughs> to wire, and runs like a the race of his life. Runs a ninety nine buyer. Runs like a negative fifty seven on the sheets, and <laughs> hasn't come close since. He's just been. He's just been the pace, the the pace setter. His next three races, even though <laughs> even though his his barn didn't have another horse in the race, he was setting the pace for. But um, he was out there. He does. He, he that's his new style is to wing it. So uh, he's got Rafael Santana on it. And, you know, Rafael he'll 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 send. So so it's it's a really good race. Uh, hopefully it. Uh, the rain holds off and, and the race holds holds together and that's really it's really good I mean like I complain a lot, but that <laughs> race is a really good weekday Saratoga steak race. I mean that's that's what did and this is like for people that, that just aren't old enough to remember or didn't follow back then, this is what we used to get all the time. Man, races like the, that. that. It was it was why. hard to stay away. Um, during the week because of the, the stake races were so good. Remember, they used to run the test on like a Thursday. Thursday, yeah. I think Shug won it with Classy Kathy. It was like, like on a Thursday. See, Kathy, wow. Yeah. But uh, Delmar, I guess Delmar draws tomorrow, the next day. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're starting out with three days a week. Um. I mean, it's just uh, it's just the reality of the situation. There's just not enough horses, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, listen, it's better than having a fourth, um, a fourth or fifth card, and and just having them be terrible, right? Like a having, GP Wednesday, and then having them be eight races, and you, know, <laughs> you don't want any GP Wednesdays up there. Five horse fields. I mean, you know, like this. It's 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 just the way it is. I mean, we need more horses. We need more ownership. We need more investment. We need you know a lot more um, people involved. But we argue about Lasix and whips and stupid stuff for the most part. So, but uh, whatever. It's, it's it's time to be happy. It's yes. It's it's run happy time. What? Oh, wrong one. Um, yeah, it's time to be happy. That's really the the one downside to run happy being coming a a pretty good stallion is those, the fact those that commercials amp up, bro. It, it looked like the commercials were almost about done, but they're 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 creeping nope. back in. The, the following C one I see about twenty thousand times a weekend. They're back. <clears throat> Whatever we we're used to them by now. Yeah, I'm sure I could recite and, one. And and now like we don't have to hear about the run happy bonus. Speaking of bad commercials, um, how come Star Guitars like run? <laughs> Star Guitars do run, man. They run, man. Like it's it's it, they're serious. Like 
and, I, and you don't see a lot of them that i guess that's my my thing is like why don't we see more of them i think most of them are in louisiana they run he is or at least the ones they bring outside of louisiana whenever they go somewhere else they run man they do they they really do star guitars is off to a good start I know he had a, a nice uh, stakes winner a few years back at Saratoga. Star guitar. <laughs> well, you better rest up and get ready for. I know I need all the brain power I can get. I'll be honest. I went through the, the first two cards and I didn't see a lot of horses that I like liked. But that's okay, though. See, I yeah, can work it with. It wasn't like you know. I said, "Oh, I gotta bet this horse. Oh, I gotta look at that." But you know, like you said, you've said this before. Sometimes you gotta seize on the opportunity when you yeah. see a horse that's uh, maybe your second or third choice that's sitting there like thirteen to one. You know, that's and that's the great thing about about these big fields in Saratoga is that you don't have to be subject to odds on chalk all the time. Well, that's that's the thing is, you know, I, I, you know, just my past betting patterns, things that I've seen done. I usually do well um, when I get a horse I can single at eight to one or better. And that's in every, you know, multi-race bet, verticals, everything. Horizontals, the whole nine. Usually if I can get a horse like that, and sometimes they're a surprise. Like there was one horse, it ended up being a stakes winner. It was a, or stakes placed. Um, damn, it was a horse at Gulfstream. Um, uh, B- B- Gary Barber horse that just ran off. But I thought the horse was going to be about five to two. Ended up going off six to one and was a single in my pick four that, that ended with that horse. And it just elevated the price. So, you know, sometimes you get little little things that happen or somebody, you know, a lot of steam come on a, a first-time starter, stuff like that that can kind of change your, your perspective on, on a lot of things, um, especially with multi-race bets. Um, but, yeah, usually if I, if I can key in on a horse that I think is going to be about eight to one or, or higher, you know, that, that's, that's where, where, where we're going to Sizzler. You know, that horse wins, we're going to have a winning day. That's what we're looking for, winning days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Except for when they don't try at the Meadowlands. (laughs) This, This is no joke, man. They have got to do something about the eliminations in some of these races. I yeah, mean, they're, they're, they just need to get rid of them. It's it's just you know, it's just not a good look when horses are just total non non tries. And yeah, I get it. You know, it's a forty nine thousand dollars race. You're getting ready for the race next week. That's what six seven hundred thousand. Um, like it's understandable, but it's not acceptable. Right. No. I definitely understand that. And I mean, it's been, and I love the Mountain 
offense. But it's bad enough they make us bet on these two-year-olds, or at least don't make you bet on them. But there's there's an awful lot of two-year-old races they put on the cards this time of the year. They're just, um, you know, you're, you're just stabbing in a lot of ways, just total guessing. And then you have eliminations for races where five of the seven make it, and nobody pulls and that's how you get 180 to one hundred $180 horses winning. And um, I will say the Meadowlands pace looks like a competitive race. No, it sure does. You, you, it's, it's hard to really come up with a favorite for the race, but part of that is the erratic nature of the way they've raced and the bizarre campaign of my horse at Bucklebet Hanover when <laughs> why they went to Yonkers and raced that horse in a half mile track. I, I get the first time where they just wanted to kind of you know, see how he did. See, yeah, just, and after that, and then drawing close date, like just scratch. I mean, that, that seems like that you know, totally lost his momentum. The horse was second or third favorite for the race three weeks ago, and now he's 15 to one. And I, and I will be betting on him. Oh, I was going to say, I'll take that. But but it's 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 a wide open race, and it's a problem in the trotters. It's it's definitely a problem that uh, um, they need to change how some of these races are written. Uh, I don't know what's the ideal situation. There's probably not one, but um, it's tough. It's tough to ask people to bet on races where drivers are literally not trying and. You know, it's in it, it's kind of in your best interest not to try. So, like we're putting people in, you know, like we talked about at Mammoth, you're, we're putting people in situations where they can't win, right? And that's not a good. That's not something that we should be doing. We we need to come up with a with a plan. Um, I know they had a meeting of the with the drivers Friday Friday uh, before the races to try to encourage guys to. Uh, I don't know what they want to encourage him to do, but something. <laughs> no, probably it, it's look good. <laughs> it, it's not an easy. It's it's a tough. It's a tough thing to to try to to get guys to try, um, and it sounds crazy, right? But when you're on a seventy to one shot, like you're really gonna leave and and and. You know, risk getting parked, or you really want to like get in the way, or um... see. That's why I'm not a harness driver because I would. Yeah, you would be basically Roy Maroon. Yeah, I go to the lead every time. But um, but no, it, it is it is tricky, and yeah, sometimes you're going to give a hold to a horse leaving, especially a good horse because that's the one you want to follow. So it's in your best interest to give them a hole. And not to try to park them because you park them a lot of times it gums up the outside then you're stuck, you can't get out. So, uh, you know it, it's 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 definitely I mean there's there's no easy answer to it that's for sure. But um, you know every every seems like every track has got some sort of issue of some some way shape or form that's <laughs> just not easily solved. Well, Colonial's coming up too. I sh- we should mention that. Colonial. Oh, yeah, that's right. Colonial's on tap to have a big meet. I mean, they they had a ton of purse money left over from last year because they only run five days, so the purses are really good. There's going to be a lot of guys um, there from Kentucky. 
because of the situation with Churchill Downs replacing their turf course and kicking everybody out for the summer. So uh, there's there's going to be uh, really competitive races there. And, of course, the great Beamy Awards. Oh, I was going to say, is he is he going to call races there? Jason's, Jason's in Virginia. He, he did a little video log the other day. Uh, and he is calling races there, so uh, so it should be it should be a good meet for them. And hopefully everything goes well, but uh, they should have plenty of, of, of horses to draw from between uh, you know the Mid Atlantic area and uh, all the horses on the grounds. There, there yeah, be- the people that want to get away from Pimlico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been at Pimlico a long time at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. So we'll see what happens. And uh, again, as usual, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the Twitter parole board sees fit to, to, to free you. And I think I'm up for review this week. So, you know, just uh, if you see me, holler at me. Oh, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed that you, you win your injunction. In front of uh, the Twitter judge that they uh, that they assigned to you, I think I think we're going to win this one. Well, let's hope so. All right, all right. Well, Barry, listen, it's been great as usual, and uh, we will uh, talk later. Always a pleasure. Thanks, my man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you tomorrow.